Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Good morning. It is Tuesday, February 9th, another edition of The Ohioan, and we're waking up into a cold, cold February. I'm here with Brandon and Craig, and guys, how are you staying warm this morning? Yeah, just snuggling up with the dogs, you know, right. blankets, heat. And like, come to cold. Okay. Uh, the cold, colder, right? Oh. No. I, I I miss what you said, Brandon. Uh, Can you hear me again? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I said I, I became the cold. <laughs> you became the cold. Wow. Yeah. I see Brandon's got a hat on this one. Oh, I'm very impressive. Wait, what's your hat? What's your hat say? That's just a Columbus crew hat. Oh, uh, Columbus crew. Okay. Normally I get up and shower and stuff, but I was. I was really tired this morning because my dog needed to dog both dogs needed to go do a midnight bathroom run, so um, just didn't feel like it. Okay, <laughs> put on a hat and let's do it. Yeah, fair enough, no problem at all. All right, well, hey, lots to talk about here at the Ohioan. Uh, we took a little bit of the detour yesterday, which is good because um, Sunday night was the Super Bowl and there's a lot of pop culture and other stuff happening. And uh, today, man, we got a lot of good Ohio news to talk about. Wanted to start out today um, with texting and you know driving uh, while talking on the phone and all this other stuff. Uh, Mike DeWine uh, made a statement uh, yesterday. He wants stiffer penalties for texting and dialing while driving. I mean, you could talk while you're on the phone, but you can't be dialing a phone number while you're driving. Obviously, there's um, some safety concerns and everything else. Um, he is saying. And I mean, he's actually, if these laws, if this law is passed by how lawmakers, we're going to a place where you can't write, send, or read text messages, watch or record videos, take pictures or look at pictures, live streaming, using apps, entering a location of GPS, dialing phone numbers, and holding a device for a, fo- for a phone call. So I, I guess you have to go hands free. Um, Brandon. It's been a long debate, I guess, not just in Ohio, but other places. Do you think this would take effect? I mean, is this a good idea? Is this going to be good? I don't know as far as chances of effect. 
I think it might be a little bit step too step far without without just being on your phone. I mean, the hands-free portion, because not everyone necessarily understands Bluetooth capabilities, or even as like you know maybe a um, um, a um, I can't you know what I mean, or like uh, or or like necessarily have a car that can make uh, um, hands-free calling really um, feasible. I think it's just you know what I mean. Like imagine if you were like like me, you strung up like some sort of cord or whatever, a kind of earbud piece that would go to your phone. Um, and you just have it there just in case you wanted to make a call. I, I don't see it that really flying with people, but um, I understand where he's coming from. He's trying to make it improve a safety thing. And it is kind of, um, you know, maybe it's more of an issue where cops try to pull someone over for texting and then they're saying, well, I was just dialing a, a, a phone number. So those are a couple thoughts on why they're trying to push for something stricter, but yeah. Okay. Craig, um, we've had lots of talks about having the podcast while we're all driving, and this might scuttle plans for that. Uh, are you? What's your thoughts? Well, it's probably a good idea to kind of stiffen up these penalties. Um, you know, there's obviously a time and a place when using a phone while driving is necessary, whether it's an emergency, things like that. But you know, they have been trying to cut down on distracted driving. It really is, you know, been a driving force of, you know, of all these additional accidents or maybe increases in accidents that we've seen over the in the, in the state of Ohio. So I think it's a, it's a good first step. I don't know how you really curtail it because at the end of the day, if someone wants to use their phone, they're going to use their phone. And, you know, as phones become more and more our lifeblood of, of doing everything that we do, it's it's going to be challenging to, you know, entice anybody to stay off of it even you know we we've done the whole you know driving safe you know safely and people still use it and they still get into crashes and you know they still go back and start using it again so you know you've got to start somewhere you're probably never going to curtail it completely but you know this is a good step in the right direction yeah you guys raised a good point brandon about just you know enforcement how do you do it so i mean if you're a police officer what do you do do you just I guess if somebody's got a phone in their hand, is that indication they're doing something wrong? I think so. And by the way I'm reading this, I think that used to be one change they made. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, we got a guy come back and put out as they used to be, you can't pull over someone for just simply um, using your phone uh, while driving in some capacity. They always had to be kind of done as a second offense in addition to some other traffic violation. But I think, that changed. I could be wrong. So someone please file means uh, reach out and fact check or I'll look into it <laughs> today too. But um, yeah, that sounds like, but with this law, it does sound like that would be the case. If I saw if an officer saw someone holding their phone, um, that would, they could easily pull you over for it. Um, which is a shame. I mean, I'm on my phone like that all the time. Just having a conversation. It's maybe one or two times I'm, I'm able to have a conversation with, um, with a relative or something, but, um, though I not, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't even had much conversations like that. Um, um, over with, with those same people over the last, over many months now with, with the pandemic going on and I'm working more from home now, but, um, um, partly cause at home there's a lot of restrict distractions and other people living with you and they may, may like want you to have your phone call elsewhere, I guess. But, um, um, no, but I, I would say it's 
I have tried to use hands-free technology and sometimes people, I don't know what it is like, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. I can't hear you. Um, you sound muffled. Um, so I, so far I've not found really good, good, um, hands-free technology to really have a good conversation with people. Yeah. Because I'm seeing the issue with this. I mean, I, I guess you would think the law would make more sense because if you say, if we see you have your phone in your hand while driving, we can pull you over because you look at all these aspects of what you can't do. Obviously, if you're a police guy, you you can't tell if they're live streaming or using apps or entering a location of GPS. It's got to be, hey, if you got your phone in your hand, we can pull you over. Right? And then the other thing is there's exceptions, they say, talking about for emergency call. Well, how do you define that? I mean, what if i am got my phone in my hand and I'm like, oh, it's emergency, it's emergency. Well, my emergency might be different than your emergency. I mean, I think the principle is good. I'm not sure if the way the law is written makes sense. I mean, you would think it'd make more sense just to say, if you got your phone in your hand, you're in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's you. That would be <laughs> the simplest way of writing it. I don't know, maybe. Um, um, that might be too, but that might be too firm or whatever. I have no idea why they're just going for like a laundry list of things you can't use your phone for. But it does seem like that that provision's just it's in there somewhere. It's just kind of hidden and, and so to speak. I mean, if you, you're not even allowed to make a phone call, uh, not even allowed to hold the phone while making the phone call. I don't know what else you can. What other legitimate reason you would have a phone in your hand for? Right. Yeah, because, I I mean, I understand the principle by what they're saying. I'm just, if this is the language, it just, it's hard to define some of the things they're looking at, I guess. And then, you know, finally, Craig, they were talking about how DeWine actually went for this last year. Uh, It didn't didn't pass Ohio uh, legislature, and the Ohio Public Defender's Office opposed the stiff penalty. So, um, last year. So, I mean, it sounds like this has kind of ran into some issues in the past, I guess we'll probably see that again this year. Yeah, no, it's probably a lot of it because of this new language. But, you know, as far as, you know, police go, when when something maybe does happen, it could be whether they're following you or if a crash, you know, happens. And they can, you know, when, when the Ohio State Highway Patrol pieces together crashes, they can, you know, obviously get a warrant for the phone and search phone records to see maybe what was going on at the time of that crash. So there are ways that they can sort of maybe piece together what you were doing up until that crash to determine if you were making an emergency phone call or if maybe you were posting something or texting someone. So, you know, there's, there's ways around it. I think, I think this has a chance to pass. We've already seen, you know, 1,266 violations for distracted driving in 2021 alone. So I think it's, I think there's some steam and momentum for it. Maybe there might be some changes you know, just for the language purposes, but you know, there seems to be some momentum going for this to be passed. Very good. And hey, before we move on, I want to mention our sponsor, Chase Bank. So, you know, my wife likes to do her banking on the phone, and you know, you can't do your banking while driving, especially if this law gets passed. <laughs> so, you want an easy way to do your banking. So, go to Chase Bank. All you got to do is sign up an account. We have a link here on the podcast. Um, you attach your direct deposit to it. You might be like, why are you doing that? Well, if you have a bank account, you want your direct deposit to go to the bank account. 
It's not that hard to do. It's fun. You get paid two hundred bucks. We're giving you money for listening to this podcast. It's real. It's fantastic. Uh, guys, I wanted to also tell you uh, talk about um, Acrobeca Journal and the rest of the Gannett, Ohio papers had a story that's a little bit scary. Uh, they ranked Ohio uh, with uh, with anti government groups, and you know you're trying to rank which state is has the most or is most influenced by these anti government groups. And you know, in the football field and basketball field, we want Ohio to rank high, but in this matter, we're ranked high, which is not good. Uh, we're ranked second in the, in the country for the most extremist anti government groups. We have 31 active anti-government groups, and this is according to a new report from Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, Brandon, obviously this is not good news. Uh, does it surprise you that much? No. Um, I think that it's... Um, oh, I think it's some sort of disconnect. Yeah, I guess you know we're in the Midwest here. Um, we're, we're obviously called flyover country for a reason. Um, yeah, I think... You know, it's very um, rural area out here in, in a lot of big parts in Ohio. So um, there are parts in Ohio where I'm, I'm uh, where I visited where, you know, it's it does feel like you're you're really away from the city parts of it, the, uh, of the area. And, um, you know, I can there's t- feels like there could be a disconnect in that sense. But um, so I, I don't know. It doesn't surprise me. And I, I know there's a lot of people in my circles and my families and friends circles that are very, um, very anti-government. So, um, no, doesn't surprise me, I guess, to say. And I, I can't speak to more about what other demographics or other factors might play play in, play up that role or why Ohio has so many. But, um, you know, it's just kind of strange in the sense that for Ohio particularly, you know, we're we can, you could probably get to 60% of the country within a day, but we're kind of disconnected from the country in that sense. Craig, Brandon's right. I mean, you see a lot more of these groups in like rural places like Ohio, but the stunning thing was the, the mm-hmm. number one state actually was California, which kind of surprised me. Uh, what do you think Ohio could do? I mean, I guess you have the freedom to create a group, but you know, when it comes to militias, which a lot of these 31 groups are, uh, what do you think Ohio could do to kind of slow us down a little bit? Well, you know, you, you want to always say that education would probably be the, the best way to nip this in the bud, but I don't know that that's possible. I, I think I, I'm kind of intrigued by, you know, maybe when these militias all started. Um, you know, I know... Some of them have, you know, said that they've grown quickly since 2008. And, you know, I'm kind of curious, too, that, you know, over the last few years, obviously, you know, President Trump kind of inspired a lot of people to sort of be anti-government and and really go against the establishment. So I'm kind of curious to see what kind of growth they've had maybe since 2016. But, you know, at the end of the day, you, you the only thing you can really do is educate people on on the role of government plays. And yeah, not everybody is a big fan of government and some of the things that they do, but there is a purpose for it. And, you know, it's, it's funny because we have the, the riot or whatever you, you know, the insurrection at the Capitol just a, you know, a month ago, basically a little over a month ago. And a lot of that was in response to, you know, don't let them essentially certify the election results. And yet, 
you know, four years before that, everybody was saying, well, the election results should stand, even though Hillary Clinton had won the popular vote and, you know, Donald Trump had won the Electoral College. So, you know, what a difference four years makes. And you just wonder, you know, if these people just, you know, it fits into their narrative on, you know, what they believe and, you know, whatever they believe is going to, you know, kind of cause them to either, you know, sit back and not do anything or get involved and be aggressive about, you know, the way government works. Yeah, Brandon, I'm looking at this map, and you're right. You would think rule has the most. It's fascinating. Um, you look at double digits. Ohio has 31. Michigan has 22. That doesn't that doesn't surprise me. Pennsylvania has 23. Uh, but some of these states that you would think would have more, like uh, you look at West Virginia, Tennessee, uh, Kentucky, they have seven or eight. And uh, Wisconsin has seven. Uh, Indiana, well, looks like Illinois has 13. So, yeah, really interesting numbers here. Uh, you see a lot more out west, which, which would surprise me. Uh, I'd say partly they're kind of um, very disconnected from all the way from the federal government in that sense. California yeah. is really big. I mean, yeah, uh, I don't know. We, I would like I would compare California more to Texas. Uh, do we have Texas numbers on that front? So those two yeah. states are kind of pretty big and could be their own countries in that sense. Well, uh, more populous too. Um, yeah. yeah, Texas is twenty nine. Florida's 27, and New York is 22. So, you, you know, some of it has a lot to do with, you know, the more populous states are going to have that. Um, a couple states out west that seem to be smaller have, like, 18. So, yeah, it, interesting numbers. Um, Idaho has 18, which is not surprising. So, yeah, very... I wonder how many people are in these groups. Like, you know, do these 18 Idaho, do they have like five people per group or do they have like a hundred? Yeah, that's a good point. That might be why the groups, there's not as many groups because they have high memberships. Right. Or maybe like West Virginia only has seven because they have a ton of people in each group or something like that. And maybe Ohio has a smaller, you know, proportion of, of size. You know, it's kind of curious, you know, they're, they're, it's obviously a lot of groups and, you know, that, that that can speak to a lot of possible violence. But, you know, you kind of wonder what that what the numbers and, you know, the total number of people that are involved in those groups kind of compare to with other states. I, I'm looking into the higher list, and this is um, SPLCenter.org. Um, you can see that in a link that we'll post with the show. Um, a lot of these in Ohio are statewide, but some of these are really specific. Like, I look, wow. Patriot Watch Media is actually in Louisville. That was the town I grew up in, which is a small town. Uh, there's one in Maslin. Uh, Reaper Tactical Training LLC in Maslin. Um, uh, Lima has the West Ohio Minutemen. And some of these are statewide, too. So it's a mix of each. Unfortunately, there's no numbers set with each group, so it's hard to tell if it's a group of five or a group of 100. You know, who knows? So... Yeah, very interesting. Definitely check that story out. I mean, and again, some of these are malicious, some of these are not. They're all anti-government groups. Um, you know, it's something we need to be careful about. Now, I'm sure each anti-government group has different ideas. I mean, uh, you know, some of these anti-government groups were ones that stormed the Capitol in the 6th. Some might just be a bunch of old guys that 
sit around and grumble about the government. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different groups represented here, but they're all anti-government, according to the story. So, they're very interesting stuff. Um, yeah, I was thinking I wanted to talk about, we, we briefly touched upon this, but um, Ohio's numbers are still going down with COVID. Um, yesterday, and this is the first time since October, uh, we had fewer than 2,000 new cases. Now, um, yeah, for promo purposes, I did talk to Jake Zuckerman yesterday from the Ohio Capital Journal. That podcast is up. Uh, we talked about the vaccines and everything. Um, you know, he addressed, and I, I think it's very true, that the COVID's still alive and real. Um, numbers have gone down, which is very comforting because, you know, a couple weeks ago it was up to like 13,000. But even with the numbers going down, we're still higher than we were when this the numbers start going up. So lots of encouraging news in Ohio, but a lot to be still kind of troubled about. Um, and Brandon, have you read this about these new variants that are kind of out there that could be even more contagious than the regular COVID? Yeah, still a lot. We don't know. Um, it seems like there are some vaccines that don't seem to be in some parts of the world that don't seem to be effective against these variants of COVID. Um, but far, as far as I know, we don't know. It just seems at this point, all we know is that they're, as you said, they're more transmissible, um, which is so important for people to stay indoors. Um, we don't want this virus to evolve. Um, you know, we don't want it to mutate. Um, it's just, that's, that's why it's, it's so essential for the society as a whole that we kind of, really follow the uh, these safety protocols not just for ourselves but for our 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 loved ones or our relatives or friends but also strangers it's it's um good old-fashioned golden rule but on a greater scale um so just gotta we all gotta gotta curb and make sacrifices and get through this well yeah i gotta look at too um craig i would say that you, you got to look at this as, okay, if the numbers are trending the right way and if we are doing good things, which it looks like good things are happening, if we can keep this up for a couple of weeks, I mean, COVID's not going to be gone, but you think if we're doing the right thing and COVID is weakening a little bit, let's continue to do the right thing and we might be even better shape, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, I know the governor had talked a little bit about, you know, maybe this week being sort of the the deadline for maybe getting rid of the curfew or pushing it back to midnight. So, I mean, it's very encouraging to see these numbers, um, you know, drop down day by day. You know, you just hope that there's no spikes coming um, for whatever reason there could be, obviously, you know, we just had the Super Bowl, so maybe there were Super Bowl parties. So I guess the, the bigger picture is we hope that this is a, a trend that continues and maybe we can start seeing the state, you know, get back to more normalcy. Yeah, uh, no, good. I, I mean, I guess that's, that's definitely the hope. That's something we're trying to do. So, uh, very good. Uh, any other thoughts on COVID, um, Brandon? Oh, um, any thoughts left? I would say that, um, you know, health advisories are, are, are rolling back, but they weren't even mandatory. So, it's kind of kind of symbolic gesture, I suppose, but, um, um, it's just, uh -oh. you know, oh, the curfew, like where DeWine says, Hey, if we get this number, you don't have any curfew at night anymore. 
<laughs> I see. You know what's so funny about this? If at back in March, Twine just kept everything shut down. Says we're gonna be. We'll get back to you um, by January of 2021, and we'll, we'll and then you know do it in increments of six months, not just kind of put shut down and not give like give any target, but in kind of kind of say it's willy nilly. I mean, because we're kind of we're kind of did that anyway. You know, it's just like things got reopened for the summertime, but, you know, the virus kind of still raged and was still kind of a threat. And uh, there was still, um, I know I've talked to, you know, some folks in the business industry, like, you know, it helped them out a little bit, but they still had to deal with COVID. Like the employees got sick. Um, and then fall surge came like, you know, I have I have someone in my own neighborhood who had to go back to the hospital after after um, um, getting COVID, um, it's just because um, they were, um, um, you know, probably had some um, preconditions or, you know, some sort of, you know, um, sorry, I'm my train of thoughts going crazy up this morning, but status, some sort of statuses that um, made it so that COVID really was, you know, you know, affected them severely, but also it's leaving a lot of lasting damage afterwards. This yeah. is not a joke. This is not a lie. Um, and for anyone who says so, it's just, um, it's just kind of um, um, disconnected from the reality. Well, and I think the issue is it's a new disease that we don't know anything about. So we're in this society, and hey, we're all journalists. We're part of it, where we want information. We want news. We want to say, hey, what's the latest happen with COVID? Where's the research and everything? And I really think even like somebody like Dr. Fauci, who is the head of this, hey, we're, we're trying to fight this, they don't know. And, and that's why some of the criticism of Dr. Fauci comes out saying, well, why does he say different things at different times? Well, he's like us. He's trying to research. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And I think because of that, you know, they're fighting it, we're fighting it and everything else. And we just, that's why we have to be conservative about it. And, you know, uh, Brandon, you're right. I mean, I think we don't know. It's not just, okay, you got the flu. We don't know the long-lasting effects of COVID. And like you said, I'm. you talk about the person you know. There's been a lot of people in the news that say, this lingers. I mean, the flu, you have it for a couple of days. You know, hey, it's gone. I mean, you don't really have lingering effects. There is lingering effects to COVID. And you might say, are, are you just trying to scare us? No, we don't know that. So just be careful be safe in the meantime, and that way we don't have other effects of it. Um, it, it just, the conspiracy thing bothers me, because we're in this thing that nobody knows what's going on, and because of that, we're saying be safe, it's a conspiracy. I, I, I don't get it. I don't understand that whole part of it. So, I mean, speaking of, Craig, Craig pointed out education, like, you know, maybe if they go back, remember from their science classes when they talk, um, you know, teacher might sell you. There's two types of reasoning, you know, deductive logic and inductive logic. And the best example, the difference between the two is what you start. One is where you start out with with a hypothesis and you go and test it out. And the other is you see some sort of sort of um, phenomenon uh, and then you kind of create a hypothesis of why that's happening. Simply to kind of analogy for that, though, is, um, you know, you know, Dr. Fauci has discovered, you know, there's a dead body discovered. Uh, Dr. Bocci is investigating why there's a dead body. People are asking, and people are already at clamoring, asking him, like, who do you think murdered him? Who do you think? Yeah. <laughs> How did he die? And he's 
providing but the problem is, is he's providing he has to provide updates throughout the whole invest it's why investigations are private <laughs> they're okay because right you know they might change they may change it's that that's the whole nature of science is you kind of have to evolve and you gotta look at the facts and evidence and then maybe change and tweak it um so it's kind of an issue when things are kind of given updated in real time in that sense so well, we'll think back to smallpox and measles and some of those things that were a really significant disease when they came out. Thankfully, we found a vaccine for it. I mean, it wasn't that measles came out and a day later they're like, all right, here's the vaccine. There was a struggle. Sadly, there were people that died from it. But, you know, they had to figure out what the issue was. And, you know, back then we didn't have the 24th seven media it was like come on come on what's the latest what's the latest you know they didn't have to report back every day on you know what their progress was so just patience let science stick its course and i i it's ridiculous for me to say this but you know can we be less political about health you know it just i don't know it's just very troubling um a couple other things I wanted to mention, and I didn't want to take a, a ton of time. Um, we call it in the news business hyper-local, like where it's a really, really local story that may not affect the rest of the state. Um, the Columbus police made an interesting move yesterday. Um, interim Columbus police chief Michael Woods said the police division is moving additional uh, detectives to the felony assault unit after a violent weekend in the city. Um, there were 13 reported shootings and one stabbing from Saturday to mid-afternoon Monday. Thankfully, nobody ended in deaths. Um, the point I want to make here, and I, I think from a Columbus police, it, it's a good move. It's been a, a really rough weekend, bondswide in the city. I want to extend that, though, and say, look, the, this thing can happen. Um, I know some people just totally wanted to fund the, the police departments around the country. Not everybody, but it's some people have talked about that. I don't want to talk about defunding, but I think the police can easily maneuver officers around to help make it a better police department. Am I looking too much into this, Brandon? I mean, I think it's just an example of police departments can change and move personnel around to make what they do a little bit better. I mean, I don't really know if this really had anything to do with defund the police. It's just simply a, the police department's reallocating out resources towards um, an issue that's coming up in the city. Um, you know, it's... Um, but, but I guess what like, I'm saying, I, I know this has nothing to do with defunding the police, but what I'm saying is the things we've talked about is how can police reallocate resources? How can police change its focus a little bit? Like, you don't have to fire half the police department. You just try to figure out, is there a different way of doing things? And yeah, this move had nothing to do with defund the police or BLM or anything else like that. But what I'm saying is it's an example of how police can change its focus in a small way. And I think they can do it in a bigger way, too. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying now. I mean, it's... um, um yeah, it's it's this is I think this is kind of really this kind of issue is kind of up their alley. Um, that's this is some an area I don't I don't think you want to send in the the mental health professionals into or uh, folks like anyone of that nature to investigate a felonious assaults or whatnot. Um, it's um, but this is more like investigating kind of like I'm I think the issue really is is more about the the situations where you're getting emergency calls in and you're having people like. You know, noise complaints, um, you know, crazy person down the street yelling, 
um, those kind of calls really maybe shouldn't be handled by armed police officers, is I think is the real yeah. direction we need to kind of go in. So, um, well, but, you know, when they're investigating, investigating shootings, by all means, we need detectives out there, you know. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, right now we have armed police officers, but maybe the next step would be, even if you give them police uniforms, hire more people that are more psychologists and other stuff like that, and, you know, hire them to the department. I, I guess what I'm saying, and maybe this is the best story to bring, bring this up, but I'm saying change is possible in the police departments. You don't have to revamp the whole thing. And, yeah, I, would you say psychologists is the way of doing it? Like who you bring into a police department? Yeah, there's been a lot of, um, in some parts of the country, um, Denver, I think, is one. They, if, like, you see someone, if you see someone, like, um, let's say you see, like, uh, someone who's acting strange or acting weird behavior, um, instead of calling 911, well, you could still call 911, probably. But what they'll do is instead of sending out an armed police officer who's, you know, probably more trained to handle things aggressively, um, and really have his wits about him because, you know, doesn't know anything about this man or who's acting strange or in behavior, then, um, you know, that might produce a negative outcome. But if you have a mental health professional go out, they might be able to figure out what's going on and be able to provide resources. Maybe it's just a person having a bad day and they wanted to vent. Yeah. But, um, you know, that's kind of like what Denver's done. There's other cities doing it too. And there's been talk, some, the city's been kind of, some people have told the city, you know, in public town meetings and sessions like Columbus should really replicate that, that system. I think that's a step in the right direction. Um, and um, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. So it just, it's like, um, when you look at the last couple of shootings though, um, in Columbus, particularly, it's kind of what the last Laundry Hill one was like. It started out as a noise complaint, and I think that the officer had saw some garage door open and decided to investigate. It was kind of like proactiveness that kind of turned bad. Um, right. There's so to me, I think in that nuance, you kind of need to change the way way cops are proactive and way and how to determine risk assessments and so forth. Like, how do we reduce any risk of anyone getting hurt? Um, is it possible? Could they have called a house that they saw and found a way to get in touch or something before approaching, um, or, you know, kind of those kind of issues. Um, yeah. Here's one thing that the Columbus police are doing and you know, Craig, I don't know if you got a chance to see this. Um, it's not the step that we're hopefully eventually pushing for, but it's a step in the right direction. Now look at this program called operation reroute where they have teens that are most at risk of being victims or suspects in the, for violence in the future to talk to a detective, or there's a CARE Coalition, which is Community Action Resilience Empowerment Coalition. I'm assuming that's officers that are interested in doing this. I don't know, Craig. I mean, it's to me, that's a step in the right direction. I mean, it definitely isn't what we're looking at, but it, at least it's a positive step, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm never going to say no to things like this. I will say this, though, that we can talk about, you know, having programs and coalitions and these great acronyms for certain programs. But at the end of the day, you know, especially in Columbus, you're seeing a huge increase in homicides. So I don't know that a program like that's going to work. I think 
I'm not saying it won't. I'm just saying that, you know, you want to know how do you sort of gauge whether it is working. And I'm not saying that, you know, the number of homicides, you know, will, will rest on that. But at the end of the day, you know, we're, we're trying to reroute more police to investigate these crimes. We're also trying to be preventative in, in those crimes as well. But I don't know how you prevent crimes of opportunity, which could be for opportunities for drugs or for just being violent offenders or people that are trying to get money to do and, you know, fund their drug habits or pay for groceries. I mean, people are getting more desperate, I think, in, in the country, and that's what you're seeing lead to viol more violence. I'm not saying that it's a direct correlation, but, you know, police are, are you know, it's great that Columbus has enough staff where they can just throw some more detectives at, you know, you know, finding out, you know, where these shootings are happening or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, or just, you know, investigating the amount of cases. But a lot of smaller police departments, you know, don't have that luxury. You know, I've done some stories in Sadusky County, the sheriff, they've had seven jail suicides or attempts in the last three or four years. And they were like, well, we need more staffing. And they're like, well, we can't really get you more staffing. So it, it's really it's really challenging for police departments. And, you know, education is needed. Use of force training is, is obviously a, something that's needed for police moving forward uh, so we can avoid some of these situations. I know in Sandusky County, they have a special response team that, you know, everybody thinks of it as a SWAT team because they have militarized weapons if needed. But their first goal is to de-escalate whatever the situation they're going into. And, you know, that's what we'd like to see start off with. But, you know, when we're talking about this story, it's about, you know, shoot, shootings or stabbings or, you know, attempted homicide. You know, a lot of this is just reactionary stuff. It's hard to to know that these care programs are working the way they hope it works. You know, hopefully they do, but it's hard to know that. Very good. And, yeah, and maybe they can contract out to area psychologists too, you know, because, you know, if, if you're reallocating resources and if some departments say, man, we can't afford to hire people, maybe because of the size, maybe you help connect with professionals in the area. They can come around to help. It's interesting. And Craig, you're right. It's might be easier said than done, but I think it's definitely, Let's move in this direction. Let's take steps in this direction. And even though, like I said, the Columbus police aren't really doing that, it's a little bit of an apples and oranges thing. I'm just using an example of saying you can reallocate your resources. And some of the things that are being talked about can be done. And in defunding the police department, I don't think very many people are saying take all the money away, but let's take some steps in the right angle. And, you know, sadly in Columbus, there was, you know, shootings of unarmed people of color. And I kind of look at that and say, let's don't let this be in vain. You know, where these happen and we just say, oh, well, and we wait till the next thing that happens. You know, something needs to be done. I wanted to mention this quickly, and this is something that's more of a personal thing. If you guys want to add something, feel free. But I, I like there's a company in Germany that's expanding to Columbus. I think it's cool. They're, they're offering IT jobs for people with autism. And they kind of specifically look at things like that. And I think of the kids I have upstairs. Uh, I've got two kids with autism, and I worry. I mean, I'll I'll take off my you know blinders for a second. I worry about what's going to happen in the future. I mean, what jobs do they have? Um, you know, 
kids with autism are employable. Uh, sometimes because of quirks and whatever the case may be, it's hard to employ them. I love the fact that they're IT jobs. Um, I think to the 14-year-old I have upstairs, he's on computers all day. Now, he, he has a hard time communicating and other stuff. But, you know, I was telling my wife the other day, IT might be the place for him. And I'm encouraged that there are places that are willing to hire that's more than just being the trash guy in McDonald's that are looking to hire people with autism. So it's encouraging. I, you know, they're hiring 50, and like I said, my 14-year-old's not going to be employable at least for another probably seven, eight years. But I love the fact that companies are helping those with autism. So it, it's encouraging. It, it's something that, you know, it's, it's taking on more of a personal thing for me based on, you know, my kids and what they're having for. So it's encouraging. I like that. It was good news. Uh, yeah, sometimes there's so much bad crap in the news that it's a little depressing, but it was good to wake up and, and see that out there. I'm, I'm glad to read that. So, Yeah, Chase Up, I, and I'll say this, the Chase over in, um, has a, which has a huge campus over in Columbus, I think it's maybe perhaps the largest outside of New York or outside of um, uh, Chase headquarters maybe. Um, but I would say that um, they also have programs for to hire um, uh, folks on the spectrum, yeah. Um, so, yeah, this has been kind of a gr slow growing movement. Then, um, of course, there are small boutique places too, where um, you know social enterprises that are hiring um, um, folks on the spectrum throughout Ohio. Um, I, you know, I've I've been in when I was in young when I was reporting in Youngstown and in Columbus. You know, there were small businesses that did hire people. Uh, with these with these kinds of uh, who are differently abled, and I think um, that's that's great. I think we need more of that than militant groups. Uh, but um, um, you know, it's tough though when uh, you know economic downturns happen, and sometimes they might be the first folks to get cut. But um, um, hopefully, not the case. Um, that's, so this Germany's company, um, IT companies, coming to Columbus to do this uh, kind of specific hiring practice. That's just props to them. Yeah, and autism's weird, man. Um, you know, there's people, like, it affects everybody in different ways. You know, my wife and I have talked, and I really haven't even talked about this publicly, but my wife has said some of the things I've thought in the past, I may have had mild case based on some quirks I've had in the past. So, you know, autism can be very different. I mean, uh, it could be my 14-year-old that can't communicate to you, or it could be somebody just with some quirks. I mean, it's now again. I'm not saying I'm affected by autism. I mean, I, I I'm not saying I should get one of these jobs by the IT company. But autism is weird. It affects everybody in different ways. It, it's very strange. Uh, Brandon, we we were talking about this before the show. It, it, you're right. We don't want to beat the Super Bowl too much to death. But one of the things we didn't touch on yesterday as much was the Super Bowl ads. You know, we taped this at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, we were tired. We, we stayed up to watch the game. Brandon was watching his soccer highlights. and <laughs> Brandon's like, I only watched the halftime show. I turned it off when that game happened. But, so, yeah, Brandon was... I only tuned in on the Super Bowl for any time to kick the ball. Yes, yes. <laughs> he, was, he was watching streaming TV, he said, actually. So, I, what, what was on Sunday night you were watching? Oh, we were... We were we've been watching the Mentalist. Um, oh, the Mentalist. Okay. Got finished a while ago watching Monk. Now we've decided to watch the Mentalist. Um, 
because I haven't I've seen bits and pieces when it was when it aired. Now it's like ah, you know, finally catch up on this season. So it, it, the, the struggle and and pandemic lockdowns real, guys. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we, we got to talk more cord cutting before long. Paramount Plus is coming, and I might be taking a little bit of a dip. I'm looking for a gift for my wife for Valentine's Day. So uh, Discovery Plus has a deal. I might just give her that. And we'll figure it out. So She doesn't listen to the podcast. I'm not spoiling anything. <laughs> if she listens, she's probably not getting 45 minutes into the podcast. But, well, well, let's talk a little bit about Super Bowl ads because – uh, Brandon, you said you got to see a little bit of it. I actually dipped my toe in uh, <laughs> after we recorded this yesterday. Uh, was there anything that really stuck out to you? There was, unfortunately. Okay, <laughs> I have to share my screen, Chris. I think I think we will sh- we can share this because really, are they going to get mad at copyright over an ad? Well, yeah, I was thinking about that because I had a weird. Um, <laughs> We were sharing wrestling highlights. Um, the Steelers podcast is going in weird directions lately. We shared highlights, and I got about 500 um, notices from YouTube. But, hey, these are ads. They're not sponsors of our show, but check out these ads. Yeah, it, I think it's like a free ad, right? like, stop playing our ad. Yeah, stop playing <laughs> We spent money you. on the Super Bowl only for the Super Bowl. Right. I don't care, but, you know. Right. Yeah, that's it. Let's do it. Let's, let's share the. Let's share this one. And I'm going to share a link to USA Today. They have a nice um, compilation of all the super wide. so you can check out the ad there. And let me pull it up on our screen here. Oh, there we go. Oh, wait. I, my bad. I put in the wrong video. Sorry. One second. <laughs> Brandon is looking up the Super Bowl ad, so. <laughs> uh, looking up the Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, yeah. Brandon was pulling up other videos. I'm not sure what other videos he's pulling up. But... <laughs> no, it was like the audio version, but. Oh, the audio version. Okay. Audio, but we want to see this. We need to see this in all its glory here. Okay. Uh, not sure why he sent me to an article. I just wanted a YouTube video. <laughs> all right, here we go. Ah, technical difficulties today. Let me try something, Brandon. Um, yeah, not sure when, why we're not getting audio here. Well, Brandon, while we figure out our tech issues here, uh, tell me a little about, about the ad. What stuck out for you? Yeah, well, first of all, this is the, um, this is the CEO of Oatly. Um, okay. Tony Peterson here, um, who decided to, you know, get out his keyboard probably from his college days. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, um, and um, basically it was just came up with this jingle for his um, oat milk called Oatly. Mm. Um, 
Yeah, <laughs> it was just it was intentionally designed to be bad. Oh, okay. Uh, so I, I was, I was fascinated. I think we talked about this last week. Um, the ads that featured old music, like um, the darkness. I believe a thing called Love. They had that for a phone company a couple years ago, and that was kind of fun that they brought that song back. Did you guys see the Shaggy ad for Cheetos? Where they actually had Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. I did. Yes, I thought that was brilliant. Um, it it sh- showcased them at their house. Uh, Ashton was a little bit concerned because Mila was eating the Cheetos. And she kept saying it wasn't me, but she had like dust on her fingers and everything. And then they had Shaggy um, in the house, just kind of hanging out there. And, you know, um, you know, Ashton was kind of singing the verses, you know, talking about Cheetos. And at the end of the chorus, Shaggy starts walking around the house singing the, his part. And I love the ending where uh, they were talking about Shaggy's like, man, this is the first time it worked because Ashton believed <laughs> Mila's excuse. And I, I thought that was great. It, it took one of those like old songs that maybe lost its popularity a little bit and brought it back. I, I love that. It's just a song you hear all the time. I don't know, yeah. on the radio, <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like, the, I, I believe, the thing called Love. It, it wasn't one that maybe was at the top of the charts, but kind of got popular again. I, I, was, I had that in my head all the yesterday because of that, so it was good. Now, I haven't ran out and bought a bunch of Cheetos, but, but it was good. Uh, uh, Craig, anything jump out to you? Yeah, I think after kind of going back and, and looking, I, I still like the Doritos commercial with Matthew McConaughey. Still like the Bud Light commercial with everybody. Um, you know, watching rewatching the the No Way Norway one with with Will Ferrell uh, being upset and hating Norway because they sell more electric cars per capita than the United States. Oh wow, uh, was, okay. was kind of funny. Uh, Will Ferrell kind of doing his his shtick, where you know yelling and screaming, but in a you know really dry kind of way, and then he recruits like you know Aquafina and, and uh, Keenan Thompson to to go to Norway with him and their electric cars to, you know I don't know what they were going to do, but uh, they all end up in different areas of the country, not necessarily in Norway. Some you know I think Will Ferrell ends up in Sweden, so that was kind of funny. I think you know it was. It was, you know, it was informational about, you know, GM's kind of switch now to going more towards, you know, electric cars. And then also, you know, just have sort of this funny, like, how can you hate Norway? Well, Will Ferrell can find a way to hate Norway. I haven't seen that one yet. That's got to be. I got to go back to that USA Today and just click through all the ads because I saw some, but there's a bunch of them that look good. I have a weird love-hate relationship with Will Ferrell. Half of the stuff he does a lot of, half of the stuff he does I'm not sure, but that sounds compelling. I like it. Anything else, Brandon, that you like? Oh, man, you can kind of hit all the ones. Um, the, the Will Ferrell one was hilarious. Um, the uh, Mila Kunis one was really funny. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything else that we that we uh, that was kind of missed. There was a kind of fun uh, parody of the Twas the Night Before Christmas, but for it was the Twas the Night Before Super Bowl. And they kind of had all the players. I think mostly the joy out of that one was the Manning brothers. I <laughs> just they're throwing a football around and it, and uh, and they're get, throwing them into the walls. And uh, hey, Manning's getting teased for like being afraid of the ball or something. Or maybe with Eli. So, but uh, um, dad, their dad comes down, and tells them to knock it off. That was kind of fun. Um, yeah. Other other than that, I can't remember any other 
ads that I thought stuck out stood out to me that that hasn't been mentioned so far. Yeah, I, mean, I think we hit on some of the big ones. I think everybody likes different ads for different purposes. I mean, like for me, put an old song on there, I'm hooked no matter what it is. You know, some people like the inspirational stuff. Um, you know, locally, I thought the Scott's Miracle Girl one, I, I saw that. I, probably, to be honest, wasn't my favorite, but I thought it had some humor. I, I, I thought they did a good job. I don't think it was anything to be disappointed about. I haven't seen that one, so I can't speak to it. <laughs> yeah. I might watch it and just rip it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, had a lot of cameos. Like I said, I, I wasn't blown away. I mean, I thought the Shaggy ad was so much better, but I, it, it was good. I mean, it was nothing to be disappointed about. I'll put it that way. So, very good. So, okay. Um, sounds good. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Any, any shout-outs we want to make before you end the show? No. I wanted to you know, briefly remind people of Chase Bank. Again, very easy. Set up an account with Chase Bank. I'm the Chase Bank customer. Uh, any of you guys Chase Bank customers? No, I'm not. Uh, Brandon, do you do your banking with Chase? or What was the question? Do you do your banking with Chase? Yes, I do, unfortunately. Uh, the way, no, 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 not unfortunately. Chase Bank is the way I, you should I made, go. Like, sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. I, my, what, are you, what are you doing here, Brandon? This is, <laughs> I mean, Dump me out on the edit here, Chris. Dude, you want to write down each of our sponsors? How about the Manly Man Company? So what what bad stuff do you guys say about them? He thought you meant the person Chase Bank, not the uh, bank Chase Bank. <laughs> uh, Caribbean Apparel. What bad things you guys say about them? Come on, yeah. <laughs> Run down everything. Like I say, dub me out, swap me out with like an Australian uh, accent. Oh, uh, we're transparent. It's all good. Well, we'll good Brandon, to go. <laughs> like you said, you got to go. I don't know what, what your issues with Chase Bank because it, it works for me. I don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, there's other banks where you're worried about fees and you're, you're, you're grumbly. Well, Brandon's probably the only person in the world that has ever had any not 100% experience with Chase because it's easy. It, it's easy. It's fun. Uh, I, I mean, it, it makes banking fun because you don't have to worry about it. So sign up for a Chase account, you put, attach a direct deposit, and you get paid. Maybe Brandon didn't take advantage of that when signing for Chase. Maybe he didn't sign up with a link from the podcast, and that's why he's grumbling. I, I think that's what's going on, Brandon. So. But if you check out Chase with that link, it'll be great. So. This might not be the, the ad that we share with Chase Bank, but hey, oh well. It's, it's all good. Uh, check out our, our sponsors. Subscribe. Um, you know, I hate to say mean things about our old podcast, but we didn't. We weren't on uh, Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts or, or any of these other catches. You can catch us on eight different places. We're on Twitch, and like Brandon and Chase, I'm mad at Twitch. So I'm not happy with them, but hey, I stick with them because Twitch is a good place. You can subscribe to us on there. Join Craig as our <laughs> Twitch subscribers, and it should be really good. Uh, as we're running down every everybody we've ever partnered with, it, it's all fantastic. Oh, and then also, um, uh, I talked earlier, Jake Zuckerman, uh, he was the interview part of our podcast, and the great Greg Morton, Brandon, I think I talked about him yesterday, uh, he was our fun guest we had last year from America's mm -hmm. Got Talent, 
uh, we re-released it. Wanted to put up on the podcast feed. So if you want to catch Brandon and me a year ago, see what we sound like, see if we made any improvements. Uh, that podcast is up there uh, from last year. Our interview with Greg Morton, including his awesome uh, Star Wars impression that he did halfway through. So remember that, Brandon. Uh, yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun episode. Yeah, uh, so, pre-Ohioan episode. We should yes. gotta stress. <laughs> And pre-COVID, because um, I think it was it was the winter time. I think it was early to 2020, and uh, it, it was right before Craig, uh, Greg was doing a couple dates uh, here in Columbus. And it, it was weird to actually have him talk about a country he was going to, because now it's weird to have anybody promo any concerts, Brandon. It seemed like a different time in our history and life, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Kobe will do that to you. Yes, definitely will. I, I'm looking forward to the end of COVID. I'd love to have more people on the <laughs> concerts, but obviously that's not happening right now. So I, it, it's a different time. I think I'll just leave it at that. So, yeah, but check it out. Uh, Greg was a lot of fun to talk to. And, again, that full podcast is up. It's, it's there. You can check out and let us know what you think. And um, it had me, Brandon, and John Reed. So I got to talk to John over the weekend. Keep John your thoughts. Lots of stuff going on, John. And, yeah, I'd love to have him back as a guest sometime. So, All right. Well, I think that's it for us. So um, thank you for checking out Never Ohio. We'll be back tomorrow. Uh, obviously, a ton of stuff going on. I get to go back to work today, so it'll be interesting to see what happens today that we can talk about tomorrow. So for Craig and Brandon, it's Chris. Thanks for watching Ohio, and we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.